This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is August 5th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh, my name is Anthony Garcia, and I was at WRHU from 97 to 2000, I think. <laughs> right around there. Fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it to that. Maybe it'll it'll become clearer as, as we talk a little bit. Uh, while you were at WRHU, what shows or programs or departments did you work in? So my main thing was being part of the sports department. So uh, I love to call games, um, you know, any sort of uh, show that we had randomly uh, talking about sports. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, but at the time, if you wanted to be part of the sports department, you had to take on a show. So um, I did the classical show, uh, which I think was like the sports person default show that you had to do mm-hmm. once a week to be able to stay on. Um, but I also was um, the uh, board op for the polka show with Basha on Sunday mornings, uh, which was awesome. Um, I was also the first backup for the evening blue show with Danny G. Um, so it was his show, uh, but anytime he couldn't make it, I was the first person to jump in. Uh, Danny G is still one of my best friends to this day. Um, I used to be part of P5, which was sort of, uh, um, kind of a hip hop show, um, on Saturday evenings. That's actually where I got the moniker Big Ecuador. Um, Mm -hmm. and to this day, that's still my, you know, gamer tag and all that stuff. So, um, and, uh, finally, um, I was, uh, part of the Friday morning show. It was used to call the WRG morning wake up call. Um, and I did that show with a good friend, uh, Dan Rakowicz and that was Fridays were known as the Dano and Anthony show. So that was, um, the shows that I was a part of. Okay. So you were only doing the morning show on Fridays. Correct. They had one person. So, um, they had like a group of people, uh, not a group, two people do the morning show, a different pair every morning um yeah so it's because before that was i think the brian and brian show and and they were fantastic and they had a a pretty large following but when they left there was no one really to like take that mantle and run with it for a full week so when i got onto the morning show uh they split it up per day i'm gonna put you on the spot here do you remember who else was doing the other days of the morning show Absolutely not. <laughs> the only day that mattered was Friday morning anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Not a problem. How early did you have to get up for that morning show? Oh, my God. Um, if I wanted to get there on time, which wasn't always the case, um, Dan Ratkowicz was – and he was on top of it. I, I mean, uh, to be fair, he, he 100% carried that show. Um, and uh, so he got there super, super early. I think I had to get in at six, if memory serves me right. There's been a couple of times where I had to, you know, call in on a cell phone while I'm on the LIE getting there. <laughs> but um, so it's, I was never the most punctual human being. Um, but uh, I, to be fair, I think those moments did lead to somewhat good radio. So it wasn't all complete loss. Okay. All right. So you did it on purpose. That's fine. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> um, while you were at WRHU, did you have any titles or positions of management? Uh, yeah, I was actually the co-sports director one year with Jay Meyer. Um, so that was my one time that I had a title. Okay. And you mentioned uh, a nickname, which is a pretty spectacular nickname, Big Ecuador. Did you, did, did you only use that on P5? Did you have un- other aliases or did you otherwise just use your own name? 
So unofficially, everyone called me Garci. Uh, my last name is Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Garci was kind of the name that was always used uh, when they referred to me. Um, so that's kind of how everyone knew me at the radio station. Uh, Big Ecuador was mostly a P5 thing. Um, it, it's, it's just a weird name. I came up for, an, you know, an email 5,000 years ago. And it just kind of, st- they thought it was cool. So we just ran with it, um, you know. They used to call me Big E at times during mm-hmm. P five, which was a complete rip off of Biggie Smalls, but that's okay. Uh, so, but that's basically it, you know. And who was hosting P five at the time? Uh, Marlon. Okay. Um, and I'm trying. To, I'm struggling hard to remember his last name, but Marlon used to run P five. Okay. Um, let's get back to your arrival at Hofstra Radio and WRHU. And this is a two-part question. Sure. Um, answer it however it makes sense to you. But I always want to know what it is that brought people to Hofstra Radio. And then if you could describe what it was like when you got there, if not the very first time, maybe your ideas about what the station was, maybe people that you met, what it looked like, what it smelled like, what was going on at Hofstra Radio at the time. Yeah, so basically um, I finished my freshman year at Hofstra. And I went in as a business major. And after my first uh, macroeconomics class, I stopped being a business major. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not what I wanted to do. And quite frankly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was just undecided. And that's kind of how I was existing at Hofstra at the time. Um, no joke. I Literally, I was having a conversation with um, my neighbor. Uh, I lived in Queens at the time. And, uh, he's like, well, you like sports and you like to talk. Why don't you check out the radio station? And I was like, that makes sense. Right. So I, wow. I went over to the radio station and so I don't have a really great, huge memory of everything that happens. But the one thing I do remember is my first day walking in, uh, Bruce Avery was about to give a tour, uh, to the student who was there with his parents. And like, they must've scheduled it. Uh, because Bruce was like really hyper-focused on this family and really wanted to show a good impression. And I just randomly walked in and I said, hey, do you mind if I just kind of tag along? And they were like, yeah, whatever. You know, So <laughs> Bruce was addressing this kid like, and we have this and we offer this. And I was just like tagging along in the background. And I don't think that kid ever returned. I don't even know if he was a student or thinking about becoming a student. But uh, after I had the... Uh, the third wheel tour, I was like, yeah, this place seems kind of cool. Let me try it. Wow. So you were already a student at Hofstra. Did you know about the radio station before this conversation with your neighbor? Um, no, he, I think he asked me, you should check to see if they have one. Like it was okay. literally a, a non-entity to me. Um, I, so I traveled from home to school. So, you know, I was a transitory student Literally, my class would end. I'd jump in my car and go home. Um, I didn't really experience much of a campus life before joining RHU. So, you know, I really was not part of the Hofstra community at all before walking into that building. It is it is the hard thing for the commuter student. I was one as well. And I, you spend half your day battling for parking and figuring out, you know, how to get from point A to point B, and then you jump in your car and you go home. That's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lonely existence. And then, so you find this radio station, you show up, you get this uh, third wheel tour, which I love the name of. That's fantastic. Um, What happens next? Is there a general interest meeting? What what do you do next? Um, So after that initial interest, um, to be very fair, 
it's kind of foggy about how I really started getting integrated into it. I do remember asking about a sports department uh, fairly early um, in when I you know started inquiring about the uh, radio station and. Um, I don't want to jump ahead, but but Lon Samuelson was one of the two sports directors at the time. And uh, just like one of the nicest, most welcoming human beings you will yeah. ever run into. And uh, after talking to him and kind of getting feedback about how passionate he was about everything that was happening at the radio station, um, I think that's really when I went from, yeah, this place might, seems kind of cool to... I think I want to become a part of this. I, I, I think this is kind of worth my time. So um, I think that's, I, I don't know the specifics. I don't remember a specific conversation or anything like that. I just know it was that kind of vibe I got from Lon Samuelson that, that really told me, I, I think I want to be here. Yeah, you can't do better than having Lon give you an introduction. Lon was, was a, a new kid on the block when I was there, when I was leaving. And I just remember him being super enthusiastic and, and just a, a really sincerely good guy. So, um, yeah, that's that's a that's a good introduction. So, uh, all right. So you've got this vague sort of thing like where I'm, I'm interested in the station. I want to know what's going on. I want to get involved in sports. Are there training classes? How do you learn how to be on the air at the station? So I think there was something interesting going on when I joined. Um, they started um, sort of like production classes and they just hired somebody new, um, professor Abbott. And so I, I think they were going through a time where like, wait, should the students kind of go through these classes first or should they just kind of learn under people's wings? And I, and I think the way it was done was here, just sit in, you know, in the booth and just kind of observe and just kind of try to get a feel for what's going on. Um, and so that that's I believe that's that's how I was introduced to everything. Um, it was sort of a, you know, observe, go under someone's guidance. Uh, obviously, somebody like Lon was always willing to do that. Mm -hmm. um, Adam Geller, uh, huge, huge personality, amazing friend, also constantly, you know, made me go with him, made me watch him work, made made me watch how he you know, professionally runs a show and everything like that. So it was, it was definitely a hands-on experience rather than a classroom first and then integrate that into the uh, radio station. Mm -hmm. um, at various times that's been called tracking when you sit in the, in the studio and you watch the engineers and yep. you get a little experience doing that. Um, were there any announcing classes to teach you, let's say how to, you know, be on the air or how to pronounce things, or was it just, again, just observe and, and try it out? I think it was observe and try it out. And I think they started announcing classes like really full fledged, like when I already got there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you go through a little bit of experience uh, tracking and observing and, and, and uh, being part of things. And this, this could be either with the sports department or it could be a classics shift. But um, do you remember getting on the air the first time? And if not the specific time, your anticipation, you're not a radio person coming in. You know, some a lot of people have expectations about, well, I, I think this is going to happen. You're just trying stuff out. So what was your thought process before you get on the air? So um, I, I don't remember the first time I was behind the board. I'm sure it was a classical show or something to that effect. I do distinctly remember uh, my first time on air um, for a sporting event. And that's because I was 
really nervous. Um, I, I didn't know everybody, you know, I was still kind of trying to find my way in, trying to see if I belonged. And my first game was a, uh, women's basketball game, calling a game with someone who I have yet to meet by the name of Kevin Winter. And Kevin Winter to this day works at, uh, uh, ESPN. Uh, he does an amazing job for them. But my first game was with Kevin Winter. And so I remember sitting down. As soon as I sit down and as, as I'm about to introduce myself, he goes, actually, hang on a second. He turns around, goes on his cell phone, and calls his bookie and <laughs> and places a bet. Okay? And I just remember thinking, yeah, I belong here. <laughs> Hundred percent. This is this is my place. This is uh, you know these are my people. Um, but it was it was really funny. That was it was literally he blew me off for a split second. He had way more pressing things to do at that moment, and um, it was a very strange introduction. But I'll tell you what, that really strange moment was a complete icebreaker for me, and all of my nerves were gone. And it was just literally, this is a dude I can hang with, and let's just let's just see what's going on in a basketball game and talk into a mic. And it was that the whole game. Wow, that's very interesting. So what was it about that interaction that put you at ease? Was it just that it would caught you off guard and you're like, well, what do I do with this? Or was it like, oh, I'm into that sort of thing too? I think it was, and I think you touched on it earlier, and it's, I'll be honest with you, I never really thought about it until you mentioned it, and I think you're 100% right. I, I kind of stumbled into the radio station, and I sort of felt like I was surrounded by people who this was their lifelong dream, this, you know, they're real tryhards. This is something that they want to do for the rest of their lives. And here I am, you know, just kind of feeling it out. And if I'm terrible, I'm going to make them look bad, you know, and I don't want to mess them up. And what am I even doing here? You know, I, I don't even know if I want to do this as a career yet. And in that moment, he went from a possible future broadcaster to just a dude and we're just sports fans and we're just watching a basketball game and talking about what we're seeing. And, and I think that it humanized him. He wasn't some intimidating figure anymore. He was just a, a guy that I'm probably going to hang out with after the game. Wow. That's very cool. That's very cool. One of the questions that I ask in this process is, you know, when did you feel comfortable at the station? When did you feel comfortable on air? And, you know, they're separate questions, but I think what the story sort of feeds into that. So uh, I don't imagine you felt totally comfortable on air right away, but I love that idea that it took, it took a bit of the edge off and the expectation like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to talk sports with yeah. this guy. So, so do you remember a moment or a time period after you were there, maybe a couple of months where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. This is it. That's a good question. Um, I, I'm not really... I, Okay, this is going to sound really strange. I, I think I felt like, yeah, I'm here. This is it. And it actually, it's not behind the mic. It's the first time. And um, I walked into the conference room. And I sat down and I felt like I belonged there. Uh, so the conference room, aka lunch or whatever, uh, was just kind of a place where all the regulars hung out, you know, mm -hmm. um, and where all of the people who've been there for a while hang out and talk about what's going on at the radio station. You got your sports guys, you got your music people. And it was it's an intimidating scene because, you know, it's if you don't exactly know what's going on, you, you shouldn't walk into that room. 
And I just kind of remember, um, again, not a specific moment, but the, when I can walk into that room, because remember, I'm a commuter, so I need a place to hang out in between classes and even after class. When that conference room became home, that's when RHU became my home. Mm, that's that's very cool. As as you're describing that walking in there, I had the, the 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 flashback myself of you know when you're in middle school or high school and you've got your your tray at the cafeteria and, mm-hmm. and you're like, where am I going to sit? And you're yep. looking for someone to say, hey, come sit here. And you find a moment where okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out here with these guys, and it's just totally natural and it's fine. That's awesome. Absolutely. What a what a great feeling. Um, so you go from this commuter lifestyle where you're jumping in your car and heading home, and now you're hanging out at the station between classes. How soon before you're blowing off some classes because you're having a good time at the station or you're working on a project with people? Didn't take long. Um, it didn't take long for that to occur. It didn't take long for me coming home at five o'clock in the morning to have a quick shower and then run back out the door to go back to school. Um, once I really became part of RHU, uh, that's where I lived. I mean, I was one of those people that would literally hang out till, you know, one o'clock in the morning, just hanging out, watching games, you know, uh, with the sports department, talking music with people, you know, in the conference room. Um, it, it happened pretty fast. And, uh, and I, and I really think it, it was because it was such a welcoming environment. You know, if it wasn't that welcoming or if people really, didn't genuinely seem happy to see me there. Um, I think it could have gone a lot different, but um, I just got really lucky that I happened to walk in when there was a good bunch of people there. Just, just really good people, really welcoming people. And um, you know, once I got that feel uh, from everyone at RHU, I just, I honestly didn't want to leave. Like that, that was my second home. Mm. Mm. Definitely. Um, you mentioned Lon. You mentioned. Kevin, who were some of the other people who were around, or maybe who were some of the senior guys on the on this in the sports department who were around that uh, sort of helped you get established there? Um, so the the other co uh, sports director was uh, Thad Brown. Uh, he led by example. So Thad was decent at pulling you over to the side and you know giving you advice here and there, but but I think. They actually work really well together. Lon was the supporting, this is how you do it. Um, hey, whenever you need help, you know my phone number. You know, So he guided me through the process. Thad brought out the expectation of people. So mm. if you didn't know what you were talking about, he called you out fast. So Thad kind of instilled that, hey, it's fun. We, I'm hanging out with my friends. You know, this is a great time, but if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to not be put in front of a mic again. And so I I think that's what Thad represented for me. And uh, it was a huge help, you know, because it's a really thin line between this is a great place to hang out with my friends and, hey, we have a job to do. There's people listening to us. There's people who want to know what's going on in the game. And we're representing a radio station. So be professional, be accurate. And I think... Um, Lon helped you get there and Thad make sure, made sure that you met those standards. Uh, so I think both of them in tandem kind of really worked well together in, in the early years to kind of set that in my mind. Cool. Um, you mentioned earlier Bruce Avery and the tour that he was giving. What kind yeah. of interactions did you have with Bruce or anybody else who was on staff in those early days? 
Um, I had a very good relationship with Bruce. Um, with Bruce, it was it was interesting because I always admired his vision, mm-hmm. and I always appreciated where he wanted to take the radio station. How we were getting there was not always something that we agreed upon, um, but I really appreciate the fact that whenever there was something that was going on, and I and I tended to be outspoken, you know, back then about certain things, he always allowed me to speak my mind. And I never felt like I was being uh, punished or judged for doing so. And I, I think one of one of his strengths was he heard people out. And, you know, the outcome doesn't necessarily have, have to be the one that you want it to occur. But at the very least, um, you know, he, he was a great sounding board for that. Um, you know, did we clash heads over the years? Yeah, of course. It, it, it was a family, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. RHU at some point becomes a family just because you spend so much time together. Um, but, but in the end, um, I, I think I, I do understand what he was trying to do and I respected it. And, and I really do respect how, how he went about it, you know, but, but management is management, right? Like <laughs> when, right. Right. when you're, when you're working at a radio station, there's going to be some calls that you completely disagree with. Um, but I, I do like the way that he handled most of those without a doubt. Um, You mentioned the word family. And when you started this journey, your first year was as a business major. And then at some point, do you go back to your family and say, I'm not doing business. Did you become a radio major? What, What did you do academically once you got started at the radio station? So I switched to become a communications major and I was a speech minor. Uh Um, so I, and that's when I started taking, you know, more technical classes, announcing classes, um, speech classes, um, you know, um, that's when I really started kind of focusing in on the technical and talent part of, you know, being in front of and behind the mic. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the name of the neighbor you had that conversation with? Tommy. Um, his name was Tommy Mm. and he, He's just one of those people that has his life planned since he was eight. Like he's uh-huh. just extremely organized, you know, extremely driven and focused. And I'm probably to this day the opposite of that. Um, I like to joke around with people. I'm 47 years old. I'm still not quite sure what I want to do when I grow up. But, uh, you know, so he was just trying to brainstorm with me. What am I going to do? You know, because I told him, like, I don't like business. And he was like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, let's figure out what you like. Let's figure out what you're good at. He goes, you're, you're a good communicator. So that's got to be worth something. I was like, okay. He goes, what else are you into? Sports. And that's how it came about. Was this someone your age or a little bit older? He was older. He was a little okay. bit older. Um, yeah. So he was trying to kind of put me in the right path. What, what a great piece of advice. One of, the, one of the great things about doing this this interview series is, is hearing so many people in their, their light bulb moment or the conversation that, that changed the direction for things. So, so thank you for sharing that. That's uh that's a, that's a real special moment there. That's sure. uh, that's very cool. Um, I, I want to jump back a little bit. I meant to ask this earlier. Um, the time that you were at the station is a time of the beginning of great technological change. Right. Yes. When, when I was there from 90 to 94, we're cutting tape, uh, you know, on reel to reel machines. Yep. And then I graduate and things start to go more digital. There were DATs, there were other things. What was the equipment like when you were out going out and doing these sports events 
what what kind of stuff did you have? What did you how did you learn it? What uh, what was the learning curve there? So we still, um, you know, we, we had our little portable devices um, with a microphone or if we were at a like a press conference because we had access to Jets camp, you would just kind of plug it into that. Um, but no, I mean, just just like you, we would then take what we recorded, bring it back and it'd go to, a, you know, a, a reel to reel. Mm-hmm. And we would use our little wax pens and try to mm-hmm. get out all of the like little, you know, extra sounds and you would have to mark it off and splice it. So that's how I started. And a couple of years after that, um, you know, then came the like these little mini digital um, editors and stuff like that. So, yeah, I started. Let's put it this way. I started um, using reel to reels and learning how to edit on a reel to reel. And by the time I graduated, um, I, I was doing my on-air shift and somebody was tracking me and learning from me and they looked at the um, record player and said, what's that? <laughs> so it like my lifespan at RHU went from we're learning on reel to reel to someone having zero clue what a uh, you know record player was. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of those moments where you go, Oh, you, you, you poor innocent. Let's, let's educate you. But but I'm sure you were kind in the moment. I hope. Absolutely. Um, This has been a lot of fun getting to know your, the beginning of your journey at Hofstra radio and you've got these friendships, you've got these experiences. Um, You know, I, I just, I, I love this, the, the story of you making the decision to go to the station. We've got all this hindsight We're we're looking back. Can you put yourself back in your shoes at, I guess, 18, 19 years old, you have this conversation with Tommy and you show up at the station. What did you hope Hofstra radio would, would mean to you at that time? And, and what did it become? So I honestly think I went in with zero expectations. Um, because I I couldn't really ask Hofstra WRHU to be anything because I had no idea what I was yet, you know. So I was kind of a blank slate, and I think what I was hoping the radio station would become to me is a reason to keep showing up, other than I don't want to disappoint my mom, right? Like mm-hmm. I really didn't know what my major was going to be. Um, I didn't want to really drop out of college because I would feel like I kind of let myself down and my parents down, but there was really no end game in sight. You know, um, th- there was no real purpose or anything to that nature. I was just going to classes and hoping to pass. Uh, sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the radio station was just kind of, a you know, throwing a dart at the dartboard and saying, I don't know, maybe this. And um, what it became was, yeah, it was a bullseye. So, WRHU became the reason why I wanted to stay in school. Uh, it, it became the reason um, why I didn't want to go home right away. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it became the reason for me to become integrated, not only in the radio station, but the university itself and um, and actually become a Hofstra alumni rather than just someone who goes to Hofstra, which was a very different mentality. Um, and I think it did just that. And, and quite frankly, it's it's led to lifelong friendships. It's um it, it, if anything, I was looking for connection, uh, not really a career path, to be very honest with you. 
and I got just that, you know, um, the connections are still there. The, the off things that you learn, not necessarily specifically for broadcasting or anything of that nature, but just how to interact with people, uh, being a sports director, you know, how to be in charge of people. I became a, an office manager down the line and that helped, you know, how do people want to be addressed? Um, mm. how to get the most out of somebody, how to build people up. Um, all of that just came from my interactions with people at WRHU. Anthony, this has been fantastic. I, I loved hearing these stories. Thank you so much for taking the time to share them and, and your time. And uh, I'm working on more questions. Uh, hopefully you have some more stories that you're willing to share. Appreciate it. And I, I apologize that sometimes my memory is like kind of foggy on dates and such like that. <laughs> Hey, it's hey, a man. nice strong point. That's that's you know uh, we, we've all been there at some moment and and uh, there's good money that within the next hour or two you're going to go that guy's name or this happened yeah. these things will come back once we start you know stirring up the the, the memory juice there it, it all starts coming back but uh, these these were great stories and and hopefully we'll have some more. All right, thanks, man. <laughs>